0: City Jazz Sessions is about great music, arts, and entertainment. We are located in St. Louis, Missouri, and available to performance art lovers worldwide. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. You can email us at cityjazzsessions at gmail.com.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Magic Man 50 Warren Harper with another another interview with city jazz sessions this evening we have mr robert nelson yay (laughs) for season three episode one so we're kicking off the season with a big big start how you doing robert man i'm fantastic
2: now that i'm here with you guys you know
1: (laughs) okay so we know that you've been very very busy just let's go back to the start though and Tell the audience a little bit about yourself where you're from and uh what you've been up to well
2: i'm i'm robert nelson and i'm an artist and i'm from st louis i grew up i was born and raised right here in uh in the north st louis actually we were raised close to um washington and compton uh, and uh we moved to north st louis around 72. i grew up in a home Um, of eight siblings. So it was a lot of music. It was a lot of action going on in our house. You know, I had a brother who was a natural comedian and he would put on, um, variety shows for my, my mother and for my father. And he would take like my grandmother's, um, quilts and he would create like curtains, kind of like, um, the little rascals, maybe you know and he would um organize a variety show and uh, he would have me and my sister to open up the show and we would probably do uh, a sing and do a dance reenactment to like grandma's hands by bill withers and then i had another sister who would come out and maybe dance and then there was a skit and then he would my brother would do a comedy routine and then, at the end, we would do a big great finale We did a big number. And so,, uh, that's what I grew up around as a kid. and and uh, that was all play. That was all play. But I didn't know that it was preparing me for stage. and i didn't I didn't really realize that. It was just hanging out playing, and we did this all the time. And then I grew up in church at a very young age, I was, tapped by um, um, a very renowned musician at the time by the name of lee cochran and um he was very very popular very well trained uh, uh very very popular musician in st louis around 72 mm-hmm. 74 around that era very popular and uh, he tapped me to be the lead singer of um Fire for a gospel radio broadcast and so that's when i kind of started doing things on a different level uh being young wasn't really so much thinking of it like that you know those were things you had to do because you were raised in a baptist family you know and you went to church and you 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 just didn't sit on the Pew, you had to work you had to be an usher you had to sing you had to do bakes you had to wash cars you just you had to be very active in your church and so that's how i grew up uh, i grew up around that uh when it was time to go to college um i went to alabama and university a historically uh, black university on a music scholarship mm-hmm. and so there i was trained under the direction of dr bradford and dr richard tucker and so it was a new kind of thing it was kind of like a fisk university music type experience what people would imagine and so there was a lot of training um and it was very tough and it was very hard and it was all about discipline and it was not easy and i was not great there were cats you know from birmingham and cats from detroit and cats like that i went to went to college with And those guys were some real, real singers, young black brothers who could sing like Pavarotti. I mean, they had the voices and they could sing opera. They could sing gospel. They could sing Negro spirituals. And I was, I was a kid. I was the kid who was just learning. They would take me, those brothers, those students would take me into the music building. We would. And they would teach me about breathing. They would help me with my tone. And so I was at the bottom of the totem pole, in terms of my my peers and my and my and my, my peers at school. And um, so I think it's kind of. <laughs> I think it's ironic that I was at the bottom of the, the the the, the barrel, mm-hmm. and uh, to go on to and to be professionally performing and that says a lot about them, (laughs) you know, it says a lot about them, how great they were. And they taught me just to be able to uh, make my audition so that I could tour. This was a touring university, our university choir was a touring choir. So we went on tour and if you couldn't make, and you had to audition Mm -hmm. to go on tour. So if you got a scholarship in August, And when spring rolls around and you audition around February to go on tour in the spring around the the country, you know, different cities throughout the country, if you didn't make (laughs) your audition, Mm -hmm. when fall came, you didn't have a scholarship because they weren't going to give you scholarship money. If you couldn't go on tour, it was all about going on tour. You had to be able to go out and represent that college, that university, in these different cities with your voice, with your music. And if you couldn't do that, then no one, they weren't going to, they weren't going to, you, you lost, you lose your scholarship. So there was a lot of pressure to be good. There was a lot of pressure to learn the music. There was a lot and no one was playing with you. People cared a lot about you Mm -hmm. and they put in the work, they put in the hours and they would be patient with you, but you had to, you had to sink or you were going to swim. And uh, there was no excuses. so this was not a play game. And so I think with that, that helped me to learn a work ethic when it comes to music. I mean, when I'm perform when I'm preparing for performances, I mean we're up sometimes at 12 still just working on notes, working on transitions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and sometimes with all of that hard work, and um, sometimes you still don't get it right. You know, sometimes you look at each other after performance, you go like, ah, ah, you know, I needed to hear that chord. The audience is clapping. They're standing up on their feet. They're giving you, you know, they're all happy and wonderful and they're going on. And the musicians, after they leave, we're standing there and we're packing up. We're going like, man, I I didn't hear that chord. And I know I didn't come in on it, you know, And and so, uh, there's a lot of pressure that's embedded into the musicians who are really pushing and who are really committed to the craft to that degree.
1: Yeah. I think the artists uh, seem to be a lot more, a lot more harder on themselves than, than the actual. Listening. We were trained to be. Yeah. We were trained to be because
2: the science of the music is exact. And so if this is what's on the chart, you know, if that's supposed to be, a, you know, be flat, you know what I mean? The science of it, it tells you that it's not right. So right. you have to kind of be hard because it's supposed to be right. And your goal is to get it as close to right as consistently as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. You yeah. know,
2: and so there you have it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as a listener, I think listeners are more in tune to their feelings and response as opposed to the preciseness and the mm-hmm. accuracy of everything that's going down. It's like, how does that make you feel? And, and the movement, you know, so, you yeah. you get a little grace. <laughs> you well, some- I
2: see that, you know, that's interesting. We, uh, if I could, yeah, I, I can share this. I mean, we're just talking. Um, I just had the privilege of um, putting together and um, we put together um a tribute to Lionel Richie and the Commodores Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: national blues museum called me and asked me, they reached out to me and asked me, Hey, Robert, we want you to be on this series that we're doing. We want you to think of an artist that you believe is worthy of, of a tribute. I had never done a tribute performance before. This was Mm -hmm. actually the first I've done in my, in our shows, I'll have, I'll do a medley trip, a medley tribute. So I might do like three or four songs and I would do a medley of one artist just to kind of add to the show, but I've never done a full tribute show. And so it was a real easy decision for me. She said, who, you know, let us know, think about it. I said, I don't need to let you know. I said, I can tell you right now. I said, it's Lionel Richie and the Commodores. I said, because with Lionel Richie and the Commodores, I will have beautiful ballads. I'll have a few, a couple of duets. Mm -hmm. I'll have some some funk and some disco from Commodores but I'll have some beautiful lush ballads and some beautiful pop and family-friendly compositions from Lionel Richie Uh, I'll have a couple of country tunes that I can do and will do I'll have some super soul smooth feel good love songs like Sweet Love from the Commodores in 75 and so we I titled the the, uh, performance Love Will Find a Way, which was from uh, Lionel Ritchie's Grammy Award Album of the Year, Can't Slow Down, Uh, adult contemporary tune with horns, beautiful tune, Love Will Find a Way, because I believe that with all those songs in there, I think the whole picture, the whole idea was that love will find a way. We did the number one smash, Endless Love. I duetted with a young lady by the name of Tamika Dawn. Uh, We opened up with uh, Lionel's 84 running with the night, 83 running with the night with its blaring guitars and fun and sexy. Uh, We did truly, which was another number one ballad. Um, We did just to be close to you. Uh, Listen, it was 24. Songs in medley form for two sets three Grammy Award-winning songs, one Oscar Award-winning song, and a couple of basement jams, (laughs) you know, and and urban culture cult classics like uh, Zoom Mm -hmm.
1: uh,
2: and Brick House. And then we we also brought in um, 1983's Kenny Rogers Lady that he wrote for Kenny Rogers. We got to do that. We also featured a young lady, uh, 1987's Missing You by Diana Ross. Lionel Richie wrote that for Diana Ross when uh, Marvin passed away. So I had so, and then I did the, the Academy Award winning song, Say You, Say Me, exactly. and We Are the World, which <laughs> Lionel Rich. I mean, like this show, it just elevated and elevated. It still had fun there with All Night Long. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Commodore's night shift, you know, night I mean, so it was just jam packed yeah. with classic after classic after classic from beautiful ballad, to funky tunes, to dance, to, to b- pop and, uh, unity songs of unity, songs of love. And, and we talked
1: ended. about the church coming up uh, in the church, right? Did you do, hear you. you talked about coming up in the church? Did you do Jesus is love?
2: That's how we ended the performance. Oh, okay. I, yeah, that's the I, only I, way to end it. I'll you just, end uh, it with Jesus is love. And we got to stand an ovation. I don't say that to brag. Mm-hmm. But I do say that to say this. To go back to your point, you said that the listener wants to know, they want to feel it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, they felt it. Now, we were thinking, oh, man, I messed up on that song and I didn't come in. You know, we could go... But they felt it. And I had to remind them that I was like, dude, we're not gonna, you know, we made a couple of mistakes tonight. Those people were on their feet. Hmm. They felt that. So you, we gave our all. And even within that, we made, and that audience is probably not even privy to many of the mistakes we made, of course. But we wanted to do an incredible show for them. We did our best. And the audience says that we gave them a, an incredible tribute and so I'm very honored Lionel Richie was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year I'm very proud of him I'm proud to see this black man at 71 or 72 years old he's on his way to go on tour right now with Earth Wind and Fire oh wow. yes he's finally he's been wanting to do this for years and he made it he he, he made it happen and so Lionel Richie is taking Earth, Wind & Fire on tour with him. And it's going to be incredible. So um, Rock and Roll Hall of those? Famer, still doing his thing in his 70s and getting ready to hit a major tour that's going to cause me to get up and go travel to Chicago because it's not coming to St. Louis. But it will be in Chicago, and I will be there celebrating the music. How, how many of Earth, Wind & Fire is this? still Ooh. left?
0: I didn't hear you, Leon. How many of Earth, Wind, and Fire is still left? Well,
2: I know that. Mar- I know, of course, obviously Maurice is not there, and I think we lost someone else just a few months ago. If that's is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember which one, but I know more than one have gone.
2: So you've got Verdine, and you've got the other brothers, if I'm not mistaken, and they know this music. They've been indoctrinated. This music is in their blood. They're going to do what they need to do and they're going to put somebody in there with them and they're going to bring that music and they're going to bring that show and the people are going to be there. And uh, one of the things that I said in this show, in the Lionel Richie tribute love will find a way. I told the people that the show was not about me. The show was not about me. The show was about the music. And so every time I felt like I would get a little bit nervous, I thought, dude, the music is going to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. This is well-written music. This is music that is as comparable to a Burt Bacharach tune. Lionel Richie music stands up to Burt Bacharach melodies from the early, from the late '50s, early '60s. Um, Lionel Richie's lyrics they stand up to the lyrics of a Smokey Robinson. Lyrics that will stand the test of time and that'll never get old. Will never become a fad. Your children and my our grandchildren and their children will be listening to Truly and Hello. They'll hear all night long, and they'll think, "Wow, you know." They'll hear Sail On by the Commodores and think, "Like, yeah. what kind of gods were these?" And so, um, the music will of Earth, Wind, and Fire will do the same thing. Uh and so although we don't have Maurice, that music is alive and it's it's already written, it's already in our souls. We don't hear we don't need to hear too much of it anyway. We're gonna be singing and just grooving. It's wow. in our muscle memory.
1: <laughs> oh man. So tell me about the band. What do you want to know about those guys? <laughs> who did you have?
2: Oh oh who, who okay, so on this particular performance on drums, I have a young brother by the name of Kevin Williams. Now he is the drummer for dirty mugs. And so he's a power drummer. He's got a lot of energy. I was I had I had to have a conversation with him because that's his that's his his superpower is his power. When we do those big outdoor festivals, like when we did um, The Taste of Maplewood. I had to have him because when he beats a drum, it filled that whole community. It, they could hear it miles away, right? Because he's got that kind of power. But this show was really kind of a combination of adult contemporary, almost old Hollywood. You know, we did some. I did some talking up front, and the songs were, you know, they were arrange and I asked him was he and he says to do that's no problem for me it it required a lot more restraint from him. On guitar was the legendary Andre Williams. Now this was really up his alley he too he can play distortion so we opened up with running with the night because I just wanted him to blare and I wanted to hit the audience kind of hard. It's one of Lionel's edgier songs from the eighties. And I, it's one of my favorites. It was a video for us. It was a big hit. So he can blare through with that guitar. But then when you're doing hello and three times a lady, he really needed to have that subtle piece with his guitar Mm -hmm. and Andre, he's got that. He has, he has that kind of range. Um, On bass was a brother, a young brother by the name of Kevin Blakely. And um, he's got a real slick and very sophisticated bass. Which I thought was perfect for the show. Um, on Horns, I had Terry G and Lou Weiner Jr. Lou uh is plays a beautiful, sweet, sexy sax. And he usually he was uh he's been with me uh, for the last few shows. He was on my uh Love's Holiday show, Valentine's Day, just sweet and very romantic Well, Terry G's got some punch. Terry G, he plays with a lot of bite. So I wanted them both because I wanted the sweet and I wanted that grit. And together they did those horns and uh, for the, the Commodore numbers. And then each of them took turns kind of uh, with some of the songs that were Lionel's that didn't require both horns. Right. Well, so they took good care of me. On keys, uh, our musical director was Norman Andre Williams III. He and I we sat, we did all of the arrangements, and we spent a lot of time just cultivating the show and make, making sure the show had the level of flow that that we that we wanted. And uh, we spent. And then I had a young lady come in from Florida, from Tampa, and her name is Tamika Dawn, and she gave provided supporting vocals for me. She performed Diana Ross's uh, "Missing You." And she also dueted with me on "Endless Love."
1: Okay, okay. Do you have anything, Leah? Nah. Mm-hmm. So, when did you go to New York?
2: This was before nine eleven. I, um, I left. <laughs> I, <laughs> when I left Alabama. I I got my degree and I started working and uh, I couldn't let go of this whole thing of, of music. It just wouldn't leave me. I tried, I tried and tried and tried, but it just would not, it wouldn't let me go. And so I just said, you know what? I'm moving to New York. And so, well,
1: that's so what moved to New going.
2: York and I actually, I started working at a record company.
1: Okay.
2: Um, and so I worked at a record company by day, and then I worked on music by night. And uh, so, yeah, I had to get out. I had to. I had to go for it. The interesting thing was when I got there. I loved the city. I loved the energy. I was totally inspired. Mm-hmm. Still didn't know who I was, but I was out there doing doing it. You know what I mean? You know, I was mm-hmm. learning a lot. And, um, and then I got a call from my mother and her exact words were, Robert, I don't know what's going on in New York, but I need for you to come home. I'm sick. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those were the exact words. And so I packed up everything. I just took a deep breath and I just packed up everything. I was just like, I'm out. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when I say packed up, I like to tell people that I packed up my little hopes and my dreams, you know, because I knew that the life that I was living and the opportunities that I was looking at and the kind of work that I was doing, I knew that that, those opportunities weren't here in St. Louis. So I thought, dude, like, you know, when you go back to St. Louis, it's like with four jobs, you know, four things you can choose to wear in New York. Oh my God, it didn't take me long to even get at the record company. And then I ended up leaving there and going to another record company. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it was just, it was moving and there were, there were opportunities there and positions and titles that I, hadn't even, that I had never heard of, <laughs> that I didn't even know they exist. I'm thinking like they pay people to do that, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I, so I moved back and when I came back, I thought, dude, it ain't gonna happen. So I didn't I try to think about it anymore. I had. I had made up my mind, like, dude, and then when the kids, when the kids came and when I, and not only when the kids came, when the kids came and I was a single parent, oh, dude, I knew there was no going to New York, you know, mm. dude, please. So it's like, you're going to sit around here and do like everybody else. You're going to work and you can go ahead and eat as much as you want get fat and <laughs> go sit in the backyard and eat you some barbecue and drink a beer and listen to some music on the radio and just enjoy it and just think about what you used to dream about doing, you know? Right. But that was off the table. But when those kids got of a certain age, it was, it was still there. It hadn't left me. And people were like, you know, Robert, you know, we can, you know, you really should get back, you know, to the music. And I'm like, dude, uh, I don't even, I'm like, I don't even have it anymore. I'm like, my mom had passed, my brother had died, and mm. the kids came, and the divorce. You know, I was just like, "Look, I'll sit on the back porch with the barbecue and the dog and the beer, and just listen to some Anita Baker and some Phyllis Hyman. Y'all just leave me alone. I'm cool, you know." And so they just kept pushing, and I would, and I wasn't even sure if I thought that with all the stuff I had been through, I thought I had developed developed stage fright. I just didn't even think I could get back to it. Okay. And I think that's the beauty. And I think that's one of the motivations for me to continue to go. Because at my age, I just turned 56 in November. Okay. And I think about and I look at the people who come to the performances and I talk to the, you know, talk to the people after the performances and shows. And I just realize how much we have in common you know, we're all about the same age and, you know, we all got some children and we always got, you know, we all got a one child that's (laughs) giving us a lot of problems and, you know, many of us may be divorcees and, uh, you know, and I just realized we have so much in common that it's important for me to keep pushing because we have to inspire each other. And so I feel great putting together a show for the demographic audience that I know that's going to be there you know already know what the age range is you know and um and I know some of their stories mm-hmm. and they reach out and say hey Robert I'm bringing my girlfriend she's in town or my I'm you know I just got engaged to this new guy and I'm going to bring him you know to check out the performance and I'm like okay cool I'll see you guys there you know And they're like, yeah, we want you to check him out, make sure he's okay, you know. And so we meet afterwards. And so what I'm saying is it's kind of like a, (laughs) it's just kind of like a support. It's like a group of friends to some degree, you know, who are mature in our age and our thinking and how we're trying to move our lives in a different, you know, path. And we're not little kids anymore, you know, we're not here playing and but we're having a really good time and they love the music we share the music and we share little bits and pieces of our lives together and we everybody wants to have a good time and everybody's hungry and yearning for love songs everybody is yearning and hungry for songs that make us all feel like we did in the you know like like we did in the seventies, you know, like, yeah, we are one, you know, the way Mays and Frankie Beverly's music made us feel and how the earth, wind and fire music makes us feel and the Commodores and how Lionel Richie's music made us feel in the eighties. And, and, you know, and then too, you know, we like a lot of, you know, we, you know, and we still, you know, it ain't over now. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you know we'll you know we like to groove too. You know we we have a show called Late Night Groove. When we first started, we were really kind of doing this jazz thing on Sundays, and people were enjoying it. And then they were like, "Robert, you know, come on now, you know, we liked that, but sometimes we want." I'm like, "Oh, y'all want to have some fun, yeah, and they
1: so, were really funk,
2: yeah." So we'll get together and we you know would we'll do some more contemporary things, but we would do it our way. We would do it our way. And um, and they appreciate that. And it's fun. It's just a lot of fun. It really is.
0: So now I understand that uh, you've done some stage acting, live performance. Yes. Yeah. Did I tell you that? I did my research. <laughs> oh, OK. I did my research. You Did you do the the live performance?
2: I did I did I did a lot of theater. I won war. I don't talk about it, but I've won some awards in in acting. And uh I haven't, I'm gonna be real honest. How can I say this? I turned out to be a pretty good actor, but I really wanted to sing, but mm. I was kind of afraid to sing, but for some reason I wasn't afraid to act. And so the acting helped me to kind of begin to get over any stage fright. Right. You know, but you would play a character. So you would have the confidence in your ability to project that character. Mm-hmm.
1: And I would always
2: be acting. I was winning awards and doing really well. We did Dream Girls. We did uh The Wiz. I did a few good men. I won awards for six degrees of separation and so a lot of times i would be on the stage and it would be the end of the show and the people would be clapping and in my head i'll be going like i wonder if i can get out here and sing for real like do a real you know Mm -hmm. you know not singing as curtis from dream girls and singing the you know the broadway music from dream girls and being curtis and you know and all of that. But I mean, doing some real, and I, I would always just wonder, like, I wonder if I could do that, and I'd be like, eh, "You better stick to acting, you know, because doing the music, there's no character that you have that you're not, you're not projecting some character, you're not projecting music from a show,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you're not stepping into this character thing, you are bringing you, so you're being transparent and you're bringing your raw emotion." to a song and you putting that out there. And the only way that is gonna work and the only way it's gonna be real is if you are real, because if you're not real, they're not gonna feel it. So that's a whole nother ball game. And that was the ball game that I was uh, warming back up to because I had done that as a kid, but not, I mean, I'm a grown man now it's a whole new, you know, it was, you know, it's it's, it's a new perspective, you know, you, you know, it's a new thing. And so, yeah. So the acting, yes, started with the music as a child, continued to listen to music and love music all the time, but in terms of being public, kind of stayed behind the acting thing. And it kept growing, and the people kept giving me awards and wanting me to do more. And I'm like, you know what? Slow down. I didn't even wasn't. I don't even think I was bargaining for all of that. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not doing another play. I didn't do four plays in a row, and I didn't want awards that I didn't even know. The man called me on the phone, Robert. you nominated for something. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I didn't even, I'm like, you. And I didn't even go the first. I didn't even go the first time because the dude. I didn't even know what he was talking about for real. And then he called me, he's like, Robert, there's going to be another award ceremony. He said, you already won the other one last week. He's like, Robert, you're going to win. I'm like, I'm going to win? (laughs) He says, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I better. So I called my folks here and said, I was like, hey, y'all, they say I'm going to win an award if y'all want to come down. And they came down and I did win. And then I was like, oh, wow. So I was taking this in because I didn't know it was going to be that big of a deal when I this girl I was dating in college. She was the one that got me into it because she was trying to keep up with me. She was going to do the play. She tells me I should do the play. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why green? Why? It was because she could keep up with me and know where I am. So I end up getting into the play. I got the part, got in it when desert storm, she worked for the news. She, she did newscasting and, uh, when there's a Storm hit, they hired her on the 5 o'clock. So she had to pull out of the play and take that position. We had just both were graduating college, and she was working the morning news. When she got that evening position, that's what she had been going to college for. We hadn't even finished college, and boom, she's already in the position. And here I am, stuck, thinking I'm thinking I'm stuck with a big production. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I didn't know the magnitude of the, what the show would be. I didn't know that the Wiz was going to come down and some big thing down. And I didn't know. I thought this was going to be kind of l- more lackluster. It was a big production. So was the Wiz, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm, it was the Wiz. I played the scarecrow. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got the bruises to to, <laughs> to to prove it. I got burned on my back and didn't know it. I had a mic. They had one of those mic things with the little wires or some little thing on it,
1: Got
2: and it. I didn't know. And I, I was, it was under my clothes and taped to my body, and I didn't know that it had shorted and it had was burning my skin. I didn't even know it because you're performing, you're dancing, you're you're singing, you're you're doing choreography. I didn't know I was that I was <laughs> that I was getting burned.
0: Yeah. So why didn't you want to stay with? Uh, I know you said you know acting wasn't obviously your first choice, but. You know, why, why not continue to do that? You just didn't like it? Uh... I knew. If you want to know the truth. Of course.
2: Um, uh-huh. People really enjoyed what I did. I mean, they really enjoyed what I did.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was going so fast and going so well that I was like, "Well, let's go. Let's bump it up. Let's bump it up. Let's get to let's get to the music." Then, if this is good, this is good, and this is good, let's get to the music. So I was ready to jump to the music. Hmm. So you, was, so you started, in
0: the, you started hmm? in the theater first, and then your singing came.
2: Well, the singing came. The singing came as a child. Okay, when I was doing the broadcast, I was. I was probably eight. I don't even know. I doubt if I was 10 years old. Okay. I think I was somewhere between eight and 10. And I was doing those broadcasts and leading those, you know, leading. that. So the the music actually kind of came first. Okay. But see, here's the deal. They go hand in hand. Yeah. Acting and singing are synonymous. Uh, Learning to interpret a song requires the same skill that an actor has, but you still have to make it real. But in acting, you have to make it real too, or if not, you're not a good actor. So whatever you draw for your script, you must draw the same way for your lyric. Mm -hmm. You with me? Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to be able to interpret the script as an actor. You have to be able to interpret the lyric as a singer. So, I mean, there are songs that I sing and then I try to find, you know, how does that connect with my life for real? And then there might be a line or a phrase there that I'm still going like, Hmm, hmm. it hasn't become real for me yet. you with me. Okay. And okay. so you have a part of a song, like the first verse may be totally real for me. And then, you know, most, much, much of the, the chorus might be cool. You know, it you know, it kind of supports that the minute you might have a bridge. And the bridge may not be as real or one of the verses may not. So at some point you have to bring in some acting skill on the, the Lionel show. Um, I chose love will find a way because the bridge says, some say we've lost our way. Some say the world has gone astray, but if you know where you're going, there's nothing you can't lose, uh, problems will come. And they will leave you. The world will try to deceive you. Just know the truth will always find a way. That love will always find a way. Now, that bridge, I I couldn't wait to get to that. When we're singing a song, all I'm thinking is like, I can't wait to get to this bridge because I believe it. Because I believe it and I feel it and I want to feel it in my body. I want to sing it and I want somebody to hear it. So that's what acting is too. you begin to believe the character and you can project and you can do those monologues. You can deliver those lines with with conviction because you've made yourself believe it same thing in music. I didn't write. I didn't write one of those songs on that tribute show, but I felt that Jesus love. It overwhelmed me. The spirit was in the space. The spirit was in the space when I did lady. You bring me up. We did a tribute to the ladies. I opened, Oh, I didn't open but I started the medley with three times a lady then I went to Kenny Rogers lady and then I went to the Commodores lady you bring me up and that was for the ladies when I got to lady you bring me and my all three of them all three of my them, them from my heart because first of all three times a lady I sang that to the ladies out there when they talk about how black women put a put Biden in office Mm -hmm. black women have made a space for robert nelson and women in general and women in general but particularly black women they are the ones who are buying the tickets to come and see me they're the ones who are selling out those shows they're the ones that are bringing their boyfriends their husbands (laughs) and their sugar daddies okay (laughs) And they're the one bringing their girlfriends, and they're the ones get on the phone and say, hey girls, we're gonna go check him out. You gotta come see him." So I said, I wanna salute the lady. So my heart was in that. And so when I did lady, my heart was there. But when I did lady, you bring me up, I got excited because I believe that lady, you bring me up because you created a platform for me to get up and kind of live my dream and do the things that I have been wanting to do For a very long time and you're here and you want it. I'm prepared tonight. I've done my homework. We've got the right songs. We got the right musicians. We got the ladies in the house. So boom. You know, it's real. So yeah, as long as it's real, that's all that matters. And that's not much different from an actor. but I feel all of that to be real.
0: Did you ever consider going to uh, you know, do television or movies? Was that ever in the in the forecast for you. When I saw
2: when I was about I don't know how old I was, couldn't have been too old. And cuz Lady Sings the Blues came out in 1972. <laughs> Yeah. I want to be. I said, I'm a girl. I want to be Billy D. Williams. <laughs> you know when he had that hat on, tomorrow oh, you want my arm to fall off and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, men. You know, young men. We aspire to be like gentlemen that we mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and when I saw Billy D. Williams, I thought, oh yeah, I want to be in a movie. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Then, <laughs> so that's what inspired the acting. You know, when I played Curtis. Taylor in Dreamgirls, you, I was Billy D Williams. She, you know what I mean? That's who I was. She was Dina Jones in Dreamgirls is the Diana Ross character. She's in love with Curtis Taylor, the manager,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they get married. So who am I? I'm Billy D Williams. So yes, of course, I've dreamt of that. and uh, And of course, I've dreamt of, I, of course, I've dreamt of acting of course I've dreamt of being in a movie and all that kind of stuff. but I'm learning to I'm learning to continue to dream while I let go hmm. continuing to dream at fifty six while I let go and say, you know what, you know whatever God has for me, that's, that's all I want. So if it's for me to do this, and if it's for me to do those other things that I want to do and if for any reason, it's not then, then there's a reason. (laughs) You hear me? And I don't want to play around anymore because I've been through too much. And so, um, I'll continue to look for and create opportunities for myself. And I'll continue to partner with other creatives and, and bring our resources and bring our minds and our creativity together. And I will believe that just like all the people that come to our shows and and support us just like them, that I can do anything and that it's not too late for me to do anything that I've ever dreamed of, but I'm also, working towards being the place that if that's nothing else, then thank you know, praise be to God.
1: Mm. You know. So when you perform, um, do, do the women, do the ladies, I know they love your voice, they love you, you nice looking young man, gentlemen, do they ever get kind of get out of control? It
0: all depends on what you call out of control. Now you know you just can't leave that hanging out there, right? <laughs> you know what?
2: I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, ladies. There is frisky at <laughs> at 55 as I am at at 50. You know, at my at the same age. And so um, a lot of these women know what they want. A lot of them are very strong women. When I speak with them, some of them, are, many of them are very strong women. And many of them have their heads on straight. Thank God. Wow. And um, sometimes they say different things. I'm going to tell you what one lady said to me at the
0: uh, Richie show.
2: <laughs> so we come out, the show is over. And I'm standing over there, so we're taking pictures and saying hello to people and just kind of thanking people for coming and taking a few pictures or whatever. And one lady, she leans in, she says, "I want you to know that you were." (laughs) She said, "I want you to know you were singing to my cervix." And I said, "What?" I was like, "Ooh, (laughs) I'm like, I didn't even know I could do that." I'm trying to see what that be like. Maybe let la la la. Let me try that again. I don't know. I had never heard anything, but that was in fun, you know. I don't yeah, think that yeah. was uh inappropriate, I don't think it was flirtatious. I
1: think good, it was a good that's... choice of words. <laughs> what? Huh? That was a good choice of words. Which one? <laughs> the cervix. <laughs> yeah. She could have said something else.
2: <laughs> Did I say the wrong word? No. No, I said what, she could have what, said something else. Oh, yeah, a too. right, exactly. Yeah. And so it was funny. And um you know they have fun, and you know here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're all grown, and uh, I think we all can be playful mm-hmm. uh, with respect. And I think it's fun to flirt. It's fun to flirt, especially when you know you when each both parties know you guys are just having fun. Right.
1: Right. right.
2: You know, and so that's it's a lot of that. So out of control, no. Flirty fun. Yes, because everybody's having a good time. So it's just flirty fun. So we have a lot of fun fun flirting and just enjoying the night. But at the end of the day, we all respect each other. And uh, I don't think anyone would do or say anything that would, would be inappropriate or make anybody feel uncomfortable.
0: I mean, I am a, I'm a father.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So you're, and you're, I'm a daddy. Are your kids
0: uh, older or are they still in school? My daughter and my son. Well, my son is
2: 20. My daughter is 21. And then I have another son that is 35. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> okay.
2: They're
1: grown.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're grown. I have grandchildren.
1: Yeah, I got great-grand.
0: That's what make, wow, makes life okay. interesting, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's parenthood. It's 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 a challenge, it's a joy. Oh my
0: god. It's
2: you know, it's a grow. you know, it makes you grow. You think that you you think you grow. <laughs> you think you grow until they challenge you in ways to really make you
1: grow up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can. hmm So what's yeah. What's on the horizon for you? I know you I know oh. you're kind of, you, you, you seem like you're taking your career as organic. So if, if something shows up, you're willing to take that. Uh, but I mean, you know, what would you like to accomplish?
2: Well, uh, organic. Okay. So, you know, it can, it is organic because you have to be open to opportunity. You know, you have to be in prayer and you have to kind of align yourself with with spirit, so you're not out here doing stupid stuff and doing stuff just to be seen or doing stuff just because you have an opportunity to do it. Some things you just don't need to be doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got you. Some things in some places you just don't even need to be. So I'm, you know, so I, I try to be careful with what we do uh, because I'm not out here playing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, So what I'm excited about coming up is that it's important for an artist to make their mark at home and then go abroad. I do plan on going abroad. I mean, we do in the summertime, we do go and perform in Chicago, we do go places, you know, we're not just only performing in St. Louis. So, and that's a blessing, thank God for that. We have things set up that's out of town and we get excited about that and we take a lot of pride in that. But Mm -hmm. St. Louis has a really, really interesting scene. I've made a lot of connections. And so there are some places here that I have some partnerships with and I wanna develop those. And one being National Blues Museum. Uh, They just asked me to host a new uh, Barrel House Legends, podcast for them. Uh, and I said yes to that. Um, we're working in partnership with them um, to open up avenues for children because I work with children to make sure that children, particularly black children, and brown mm-hmm. children have access and disadvantaged children, I had use that word disadvantaged, but those children that don't have access to those resources that other children do. We wanna make sure that we're connecting them. I wanna make sure that children are being connected to the arts. Uh, So that partnership with them uh, is great. We do private events for them and um, we just represent the museum and the legacy of blues music, black music. Mm -hmm. Um, Just very excited about that. I find a lot of value in that. Um, This summer we're doing, a blues on the block we are expecting this to be the biggest blues on the block that our uh, national blues museum has had in their history and we're going to headline that and we're going to have horns and background singers and we're going to put together something really fun and family friendly uh because this is, free, be this is this is sorry be outside this will be outside and it's free to the public so we're going to oh. block the streets out downtown right there in washington Uh, right in front of the museum and we're going to do something really big for them. And something really, just something great for the community. You know, I just want to bring some love to this community. I love St. Louis and I'm going to go again. I mean, this is going to, this is home, but I'm going to get back out there and do the work and go to Chicago and go to New York. And we're looking at Memphis and try, you know, doing our thing. We have to do some recording as well. Um, and, uh, I want to represent St. Louis I wanna represent our brand and our style of music. We have so many different styles. And so I wanna represent that in other places, but I wanna continue to give back a lot of that love here that these people have given me. And I've got some more to offer them, but they know that I've gotta also be moving on and doing things in other places as well. Mm -hmm. So what's next is that um, we have the Judson House, the historic Judson House with Stan Jones. He is a curator at the uh, Judson House on Washington. It's across the street from the Art Museum and across the street from the uh, Sheldon Theater. Uh, Once a year, I go and I open up for Denise Times down in the Lake of the Ozarks. We raise money for cancer. And uh, that's very, I mean, that's great work. It's a fundraiser we do every year. And she always calls me back every year. And those people that raise funds, they they want me there and I want to be there. That's work that I believe in. And so um, we're hoping to also break into um, well, and continue our, our stint at Blue Strawberry with seven consecutive sold-out shows, more than any artist in the city. I don't say that to brag. I just say that to say that St. Louis is supporting live music. They are supporting St. Louis-based artists, and they're giving us the opportunity to to uh, get out to get these shows, you know, polished up so that we can take them to other places and best represent, re- best represent our city. And so that with recordings and original tunes, uh, writing, um, we're hoping to go back to Maplewood this year and oh, yeah. be a part of, we want to headline that fest again. I mean, you know, Maplewood opened up their doors to us. Uh, when we went out there, um, you know, as a, you know, all African American men headlining the, the, all those people that were there. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people, and just jamming one beat, you know. And they were digging it. And so, yeah, we want to bring we want to bring music to those communities, and we just want everybody to have a good time.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. I can't wait to get back out. <laughs> Yeah, Leon and I are gonna start getting out a little bit more when it, especially when it warms up. Okay. Well, Leon,
2: you get you get your cooler ready. <laughs> <laughs> and you get that lawn chair and you put it over your shoulder, and you come on and hang out with us at some of these
0: outdoor events that oh, are gonna absolutely. be coming. Up to absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We I just met a guy on Facebook and uh, I said, hey, let's get together and go on have some coffee. He's a doctor. And uh, he said, sure. He, he wanted to go to um, Blueberry Hill. And I said, oh, okay, cool. So yeah. I'm inviting Leon. We're going to go back to his old hood.
0: Oh, so you're from U city, Leon? Yeah. Graduated U city. Woo.
1: Yep. And what about you? I went to Soldan. I was on the west side of the city. Okay. I graduated from Sumner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
2: I started at central. Uh, okay. Red wings when it was before it was VAP, mm-hmm. right.
0: Uh-huh. right.
2: And then I trans, I transferred from there and went to Sumner in the eighties. And wow, that was an experience. I'm so glad I got a chance to graduate from the first black mm-hmm. high school, west of the Mississippi. Right, right. Tina Turner and Dick Gregory mm-hmm. and all of those people have walked those that's those halls. And so mm-hmm. a lot of greatness in St. Louis, we always talk about high schools and people like to laugh. Uh, but the reality is we took a lot of pride in those high schools. Yeah. That's we true. had some, we took a lot of pride in those high schools mm-hmm. and uh, had some great experiences and learned a lot about life and about ourselves and our community. So I'm down for it. So you got U city and you got Soul Day, and you got Sumner.
1: Right. That's hill, that's hill, <laughs> and I went to um, O'Fallon Tech. Is what they had the co-op program. I remember O'Fallon Tech. Yeah, it was a big
2: thing. Everybody was trying to get over it because right. they had automo, they had all these trades. I mean, like right. it was so smart. Yep. And black kids could go. You know, like black kids could do. You know, we can do this, hands on.
1: Yeah, that was fun back in the days. Yeah. Well. Well, okay, Robert, in closing, uh, anything else you need to tell us? Uh, Anything upcoming you want to point? Well, yeah,
2: I just want everybody to just follow us on Instagram. We are on on Instagram at I, the letter I, I am Robert Nelson, S-T-L. And that's on Instagram. We're on Facebook and you can follow me, the Robert Nelson Experience. You can like our page or you can go to Robert Nelson on Facebook and you can check me out there. We post all of our upcoming events there, and some music, and we also have some. Oh, we also have a little uh, online like magazine. It's called Renaissance Magazine. So if you want to go there too and check that out, we put a lot of fun pop culture, primarily a lot of urban, uh, sophisticated Mm. urban uh, jazz and rhythm and jazz and music culture. Um, It's just a fun platform, you know, just connecting connecting, keeping us connected through the arts is what it's all about. Positive things, jazz music, um, the things that, that our demographic really, really loves. And that is really just anything that brings us peace, anything that brings us joy, anything that's a little more refined than what we did five or 10 years ago. Something that's moving us into more of a mature and peaceful space. That's what it's all about. So if you follow us, I would love for you to check out some of those dates. The ones that you should be looking out for is yes, we're we are returning to blue strawberry in the next few months. We'll be at Joe's cafe this summer. Okay. Um, and we'll be at the historic Judson house for a courtyard for an all white party uh, in the uh, courtyard. Be- it's going to be beautiful champagne toast and white roses. Okay. And, um, and then we're going to be outside in the summertime, um, at national blues museum out on blues on the block. So we've got a lot of fun stuff coming. Stay connected with us at I am Robert Nelson ST on Instagram, the Robert Nelson experience on Facebook, Robert Nelson on Facebook.
1: All right. We got a lot of things to look forward to, and we hope to see you real soon. Robert.
2: Thank you guys so much. Leon, give us a chair.
0: It was a pleasure meeting you, brother. It was a pleasure meeting you. The pleasure was
2: mine. I can't wait to see you guys real soon, okay? Yeah, we're going to try to get there. Maybe even grab a uh, rib or something. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You got my number. I got your number. Brothers need to get, men need to get together more often and have a drink, have a beer, and just check in on each other make sure everybody's okay.
1: I agree.
0: Absolutely. absolutely
1: okay all
2: right brothers thank you so much i love y'all so much i appreciate
0: you love you too
1: take care
0: bye now city jazz sessions is brought to you by st louis city jazz a 501c3 company dedicated to music education and appreciation the CEO is Magic Man 50. And for more ways to connect with City Jazz Sessions, visit cityjazzsessions.wixsite.com slash St. Louis. The City Jazz Sessions team includes host, content director, and guest coordinator, jazz great Ronnie Barrage. Follow Ronnie at ronniebarrage.biz. Host, website designer, graphic artist, content director, and guest coordinator, singing sensation Leica. Discover more about Leika at music.com Additional production services are provided by Lion's Den Productions. Go to thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe for more great content.